everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I am your host, Alex Klein, and today is the monthly comic book club. And this month, as we had talked about in some of the prior issues for February, we are going over Avengers vs. X-Men. I've been really looking forward to rereading this for a really long time, and I figured this was the perfect opportunity, and it totally was. So I uh, I was in on this series right when it came out, and this was actually right around the time that the uh, Marvel started doing those uh, their free digital comics or their free digital copies with the purchase of their comics. So I don't have the actual comics. I just have the digital copies for them. The good news is you can find these on Marvel Unlimited as well. They're all there. So what I decided to read, because there's a lot for Avengers vs. X-Men, uh, what I read was Avengers vs. X-Men 0 through 12, so technically that's 13 issues, plus three um, Marvel, uh, what are they called? They're the, um, they're basically the 0.5 issues. They're the, uh, like those cool comics that are meant to be read digitally. There's one for issue number one, for issue number six, and for issue number 10. And then I also read, I had copy digital copies for Avengers versus X-Men versus, which is a one through six series that is just about fights, which I figured, ooh, like I, I didn't actually get a chance to read that as it was coming out. I got the digital copies later and then never got around to reading them. So um, I checked those out too to see if they're any good. So that is what we're going to be reading. So if you have not done that yet, Feel free to pause this and come back once you have, or you can just listen to me talk about this and, and give my thoughts on it, and then if you deem it to be as good as I think it is, you can check it out on your own. So I read all of these, and, and the reason I, I hadn't posted in a week was I actually was traveling for work, so I read all of these issues, including Avengers vs. X-Men, on my flight to Columbus, Ohio. It was a three-and-a-half-hour flight. So for any of you wondering how long this may take you, I also finished that well well before the flight was over. So I read this in probably two and a half, three hours. So not that long, but it is a lot. There's a lot to read. And this was this was around that time where people were starting to get uh, event fatigue when it came to Marvel. It seemed like every few months there was a new event. There was Avengers versus X-Men, this, that, or the other. And uh, but what was interesting about Avengers versus X Men was this actually led into the Marvel Now storyline, the the big relaunch that included uh, Uncanny Avengers. This <clears throat> this book actually goes directly into Uncanny Avengers. But then this was started off uh, Jason Aaron's Thor run, and I believe also like Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. And Miss um, Marvel kind of came out of this as well. Captain Marvel came out of this. The the Kelly Sue DeConnick Captain Marvel, and those things certainly didn't spin out of this story. But this story and this these issues were essentially the end of the prior iteration of Marvel Comics. So after this, they decided to just do a new status quo. Marvel Now, all they relaunched every single title. They gave it the the all the Marvel Now logo on it, and all of them had digital copies. It was it was a pretty big deal at the time. I remember that's actually this Avengers vs. X-Men was actually how I got back into collecting comics because uh, this was around right towards the end of 
when I was in college. And during college, I didn't really buy a lot of comics because I was in college. So that college was kind of like some of the big events were like Fear Itself and that sort of thing. And so I would I would buy them at, like as a set on eBay. Like I would just buy all of Fear Itself and read it that way. I didn't I didn't have any local comic shops or anything like that where I was going to school. But I did, I, I used Midtown Comics even then as well for Avengers vs. X-Men. So I was getting that at the time. And this is also when Scotty Young started uh, becoming a pretty big deal with Marvel. And he had had a couple of things before. But out of this came his Avengers vs. X-Men Babies. Or Avengers Babies vs. X-Men Babies, something like that. Where he, he wrote and drew it. And uh, it was all, all the characters were little babies, which I thought was absolutely adorable and I became obsessed with. So I had read that series and then I actually had collected every single Scotty Young variant cover for every single comic, starting with this Marvel Now relaunch into probably, I probably did it for like two or three years. It's kind of crazy. And since I was like, wow, this is just, I, I had probably... It was oh, it was over a hundred of those of those comics. I don't remember the exact number. It may have been like a hundred and twenty, but uh, I was like, oh man, this is just way too many comics. I don't even read these. I just bought them for the covers, and and eventually I kind of grew out of them. But uh, so I sold a lot of them, but I kept some of my favorites. Uh, but this was a cool time for me because this was essentially this was when I got back into comic collecting was. Uh, when this ended and so the first issue came out in April and then this whole series kind of wrapped up in October and then I think I really got into it right after that so that's when I started doing um, monthly midtown orders and all that good stuff but uh, but this story is really cool and it's also it's got some good discussion points as well because this is a very convoluted story and you can tell in pieces that this is that they are trying to do like a relaunch for this story, but uh, we'll just dive into it anyway. So Avengers versus X Men, it's one of those things where everyone wants it, right? Like even now with with uh, Disney buying Fox, the thing I I see quite a few people talking about is like, oh, when are we gonna get to see the Avengers fight the X Men? It's like, why do you want to see everybody fight each other? Like I I get it because you know I would love to see each other's everyone's powers go up against each other and who would win. So this was the ultimate fever dream for those fans. And uh, that's kind of why I wanted to make this the monthly thing because everyone has been talking about, ooh, I can't wait for the Avengers to fight the X-Men now that they're in the MCU. And uh, if it's anything like the story, I hope that they make it a different story. Uh, I would still love to see some of these fights, but uh, the fights are great in the comics, so I would almost be satisfied if we... Well, no, I'm not going to say that. I, I kind of do want to see them fight on screen, but um, it's interesting. So this was this was right around when they did that as well of doing issue zeros. So Avengers versus X Men issue zero is a focus, and it's this is a great issue actually. I, I really enjoyed this issue, and I remember. And I'm what's cool is I actually I pulled up everything on Wikipedia as well to see if I could gain any other insights. And what was really cool and very almost kind of sad is. Uh, they've got an actual chart on Wikipedia with the sales numbers for all of the the comics, and um, Avengers versus X Men was a huge money maker for them. So think about it. they they they're putting out thirteen comics, and the lowest selling one, which was issue number zero, because I think around that time too, it was like, what's the point of a zero? Like I don't need that comic. That one sold a hundred, almost a hundred and forty thousand units which is unbelievable. Right now, if a comic can pull off 100,000 units, that's considered an insane comic. 
Um, and if it, you know, if it can pull off 120, 140, that would be like, okay, we're going to be pulling this thing into a full series. Like this one will never end sort of thing. The first issue of Avengers versus X-Men sold over 200,000 copies. And then all of the other issues from there, all 12 of them, uh, the control chart of it is between 160,000 and uh, almost 200,000 for each issue, which is just incredible. That's insane that that many people were reading this. And I, I, I forget, I forgot. Because I, you know, looking back and when I was thinking back on this, there are a lot of people that did not like this series at all, that thought this was a cop-out, thought that it was too long, that it was it was uh, an easy out towards the end, and we'll get to that. But uh, I never did. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I, I do recognize those flaws, and I definitely saw them this time around reading them. But it's still, I'm, again, I was reading it for the fights, and I enjoyed those. But yeah, the story is, is weak. But it wasn't weak enough to hinder the sales because this is, I'm just, I'm blown away looking at these numbers. I just, there's not a lot of comics these days that can pull that off. So that really does go to show that comic sales have been going down, which is, is you know, par for the course. I mean, like I said, I, even now, like I, I got my monthly Midtown comics in this month and I immediately opened them all up and redeemed the digital copies and downloaded them on my iPad. So I'm just going to be reading them on my iPad, which is great because I can read them in bed. I can read them on the couch. I don't have to worry about getting the comics themselves dirty. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, why, like, why is there still a comic book? I, and I get it because it's a medium and it's beautiful and I hope it never goes away. But there should be that question of like, is there a better way of putting these out? I've always thought, why don't you just put it as the trade paperback, the first six issues, the next six issues, have them as trade paperbacks that come out. And part of that is because that's a lot of art to do and a lot of writing to do for the writers. And that also does not translate to good sales for Marvel or for any any publisher in terms of their whole goal is getting you to come back month after month after month to buy these comics. And you see it, you see it every single time. Every, as I've talked about in prior uh, prior podcasts, these writers, artists, their jobs are to prop these comics up and really market them on on social media. Oh my goodness, I've got the next big thing here. This is going to be a huge announcement. And it's funny because it it and I've started noticing it even more now as I'm kind of trying to separate myself from it is uh, every at the end of every month. So like uh, May's comics were announced last week. And uh, this week already, they're talking about comics coming out in June. And it's like, but you just announced the comics that are coming out in May. It's like, well, you know, we got to keep getting, we have to keep the hype train going. And so, uh, and I get why, because they're chasing these numbers. They're chasing the days when they were selling 200,000 copies for a book. And, And again, that was worth it. That first issue is really, really good. But it's just a bummer that that's what they're doing. They're doing it to chase these numbers. When you could put them out as digital copies, people would still probably buy them. And the people who don't buy them, I mean, you know, you could still buy the trade paperbacks when they come out, but you're going to be saving a ton of paper, a ton of printing costs. And uh, and who knows? Again, I'm just only one person. But I just thought it was fascinating that those numbers, they did so well. And then for the AVX Versus series, the one through six, even those ones sold, the first issue sold over 100,000, and the last issue sold uh, a little bit under 80,000, which is still, like, if it had been a different time period, like right now, AVX Versus would have turned into a, a series, like it would have turned into a 12-issue series, they would have tried to milk it for as long as they could, 
and uh, they probably would have if it had been back in 2012. But just an interesting thought that it, it's kind of sad that uh, sales have steadily been declining because the event series of today, I don't think War of Realms hit 200,000, but I, maybe they did. Uh, it definitely was in the 100 to 200,000, but it just it, the way that this chart looks is nowhere near close. But so Avengers versus X-Men issue number zero is a focus on hope, Summers, and Scarlet Witch. And it's funny because when you read it in this, you know, when you read it knowing what's going on, they are the the two. They are the key to this whole story, and so it makes sense that they have an issue zero to focus on each of them. And what's nice is Brian Michael Bendis and Jason Aaron wrote each section. There's a section on Hope, and there's a section on uh, Wanda. But then Frank Cho, who I love as an artist, he uh, is the one doing the art for both of them. So there's a cohesiveness there, and it's good. But the the story is incredibly kind of boring. Like the, nothing really happens in it other than knowing that the Avengers kind of don't like, uh, well, at least Vision doesn't like Wanda anymore. And then with Hope, it's like, okay, she's the bad girl. We get it. Uh, but then Avengers versus X-Men 1 comes out, and that one was really good. So the, the whole story behind this series is uh, the Phoenix Force is coming to Earth, and the assumption is, and it's it's the correct assumption, is that it's coming for Hope Summers. She's been having visions, feelings, thoughts that something is on the horizon, something's coming, and Cyclops knows it as well. And so he's been kind of training her to, to prepare for this so that when the Phoenix does come, she can absorb it, absorb it and uh, reintroduce mutants to the world. Because at this point in time, this is uh, f- about four years uh, in real time, our time, uh, after House of M, where Scarlet Witch said no more mutants and reduced the mutant population to like less than 200, I think. And so their whole goal at this point, and they've been living on the run ever since. And so this is this is peak the X-Men suck time frame. So like if you're wanting to read a story where the X-Men are, are framed as the bad guys, where they actually are the bad guys, this is your story. And this is the reason why this story is the reason why I love Jonathan Hickman's House of X and Powers of 10 so much. Because this was just that evidence of like, there's really they're really going to the bottom of the barrel of stories for the X-Men at this point so much that they have to turn these guys into bad guys to find new stories for them because they've run out of things to talk about because there's only a couple of mutants left in the world, which is really sad. It's, it's, it's a huge bummer, but, um, obviously, you know, those things have changed now with, uh, with the way Hickman's, uh, putting out or kind of guiding the X-Men. But this was during that time period where people were like, okay, you know, we get it. The X-Men are the bad guys. But what happens is the Avengers find out uh, Nova shows up, and so that uh, that comes about in Avengers versus X Men One, but is also part of that Infinite comic. That that's what it's called the the Infinite comic for issue one point five. Which, if you have the digital copies, I can't speak for how it is on Marvel Unlimited, but on my digital copies on just Marvel, those Infinite issues are at the back of each of those issues. So, like issue one of Avengers versus X Men has the Infinite comic in the back. I also have them separately as digital comics, so I'm sure they're out there too. And I, they're definitely on Marvel Unlimited one way or the other. But basically Nova, Sam Alexander at this time, and this was this was fresh Nova as well. So once this series ended, there was the brand new Nova series by, I think it was Jerry Duggan and Ed McGinnis. 
but um, so he comes crashing into Earth because he's seen the Phoenix Force coming, and he's essentially the Hulk slash Silver Surfer of Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War, uh, showing up and saying the Phoenix is coming, and so the Avengers are like, oh shoot, like that's not good. We know that's not good. And they're like, we got to figure this out. And at this point in time, Wolverine is one of the X-Men. He's like, hey, or one of the Avengers. And he's like, hope, it's the coming for hope because like Cyclops has been training hope. We all kind in the community all kind of know she's the one who's literally going to be bringing hope to the X-Men. So the Phoenix is coming for her. So uh, the Avengers go to uh, go to Utopia, which is where all of the X-Men are living at this time. And what's funny is uh, uh, last week, the Marvel Studios News Discord had their watch party for the Avengers. And we were having a discussion during that watch party about the helicarrier and how cool the helicarrier looked at the time. And it still looks cool, but like how cool it looked during the movie of like, wow, this giant ship rising out of the water and going invisible. And someone had asked like, is there any basis for that in the comics? And I had explained, well, yes, obviously there's, there's basis for it. But I was like, these, the way that it looks here kind of felt like it was mirrored from the beginning of Civil War. Uh, Mark Millar's Civil War, where the the helicarrier's in the sky and Captain America has to escape the helicarrier, and there's even that scene where the Hulk in the movie jumps on that plane, the uh, fighter jet, and is like ripping it apart as it's falling to the ground. That looks like when Captain America jumps on the jet and slams his shield into the ship. And um, so I was like, maybe that you know, they, maybe they had some inspiration there. And so you know the party ended, whatever. And uh, then I started reading these on the plane. In issue number one, there is a helicarrier and the helicarrier does what it does in the movie. And so I don't, I mean, I don't think it was based off of the movie. And the movie certainly wasn't based off of this comic because this comic came out in April of 2012 and the movie came out in May of 2012. So this was this was the the event series that was lined up with the Avengers movie. Uh, so and they've tried to do that, obviously, as you guys are aware, or maybe not. With with any Marvel movie that comes out, Marvel tries to put out comics that sync up sort of either with the characters or stories in the movie. Like when Iron Man One came out, they re they did a new Iron Man, the Invincible Iron Man by Matt Fraction, that came out almost the same at the exact same time as the Iron Man movie. Same thing with Avengers for Black Widow. There's a new Black Widow series coming out along with there's a new Falcon and Winter Soldier series. There's a Red Guardian series. So like they they're trying to milk it as best as possible. But there's an actual spot in this uh, comic where the uh, and I'm gonna pull it up just so I can confirm it. But um, where there's a giant helicarrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, it's on uh, uh, it, page 32, and the hair they show it as the helicarrier coming out of being invisible, and it's huge. And I was just like, oh, whoa, this looks just like like it's from Avengers, and uh, it was great. And so this, and this one actually, I'm trying to see. There's a little bit of fighting in this issue. Actually, there's a there's a pretty decent amount of fighting now that I'm looking at it. Um, oh no, 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 no. There's 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 a little bit of saving because they're trying to save Nova. But this issue is where I immediately started rolling my eyes, just knowing that I've read this before. Was like, so the Avengers show up to Utopia, and Captain America, Captain Steve freaking Rogers shows up 
to, and is talking with Cyclops and the other X-Men are kind of behind him, backing him up. And he's like, hey, the Phoenix is coming. We know it's coming for hope. Can you please give us hope? Like, have her come with us so that we can protect her and figure out how we can stop this from happening because based on past experiences, when the Phoenix comes, the Earth gets destroyed and people die. And Cyclops is like, no, no, you know, she's going to be the one that saves us. And again, I know that how the story ends, but even when I was reading it originally, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, come on. Cyclops is so stubborn and so selfish, and I get it. He is considered the figurehead of the X-Men at this point because Professor Xavier is nowhere to be found, and he is essentially the figurehead of, like, he's taking this all on his shoulders, and he feels like the responsibility lies on him. And it doesn't, it really doesn't, but he is just at that point in his character arc of like being a complete idiot, being a, just a complete dummy, and that is the cause of this fight, that's literally the cause of this fight, is there can't be an agreement, and so, he, and, and Cyclops is like, if that's all you wanted, why did you bring every Avenger on a helicarrier? And I'm thinking, my, and he, and Captain America says, I didn't want it to come to this, like, I'm not trying to, this was the last resort, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you ever want to be on the right side of things, just be on Captain America's side, right? Like, you, can, you can't go wrong with Captain America's side. And so uh, so that's how the fight starts. And so the rest of the series is about that. So this story is broken up into three arcs or three acts. So it's 12 issues. It's the first four, the second four, and the, the third four. And... Um, and it's good. So the first four is essentially them fighting and trying to uh, get hope one way or another. And what eventually happens is they let hope escape and Wolverine helps hope escape to the moon. But then Wolverine tells the Avengers that that's where the, she is. And at the same time, um, Emma Frost uses her mind powers to figure out that as well. Like, oop, we know where the Avengers are going. So then they all meet up on the moon, and they all fight on the moon, and it's at that point the whole time that Iron Man is trying to figure things out as well. So he's like, how can I stop this? And there's a very, very Iron Man in Avengers type feel to him where he's going, you know, like, this is the end game. This is what we're preparing for. It really felt like the Iron Man from the 2012 Avengers movie, which is weird because, again, how would they have... I mean, I always figured or guessed that maybe, like, Marvel gets the scripts for the movies or knows at least a little bit about it. Like, come on, guys. Like, we really want to try and sell comics. Can you at least tell us a little bit about what happens in the movies so we can kind of craft a story around it? I feel like they would tell them. But... um but so he creates this machine, this armor that he thinks is that when he shoots the phoenix, it basically is going to turn the phoenix into dust, like to disseminate it into a thousand pieces sort of thing. And so when the phoenix comes at this point, and so this is where you can kind of get extra bits of homework if you wanted to. There's a, There were so many tie-ins for this that I read, and there's an Avengers tie-in, like the actual Avengers book. And in that, there's a group of Avengers that are sent into space to try and stop the Phoenix. And, and spoiler alert, they don't. They can't. And um, But so the Phoenix makes it to the moon. And Iron Man shoots the Phoenix with this thing. And they're like, oh no, like, like we lost it. But what happens is, because he does that, the Phoenix essentially breaks into multiple pieces. And those pieces go into 
the X-Men that are there. So there's a group of X-Men that are there, not Hope. And it's a group of uh, the five, I think is who it is. If I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, it, so it goes into Cyclops, Emma Frost, Namor, Colossus, and Ilyana, or Magic. So all five of them have a piece of the Phoenix in them. And so they become the Phoenix Five. And that, to me, though, that's when the story kind of got interesting. I was like, oh, okay. And so that's actually where my favorite uh, my favorite issue is. is the, I believe it's issue six. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull that one up now. And, of course, it would be the one that's written by Jonathan Hickman. And so the, so the, the interesting thing, too, is each of these, and I, I, I'll double-check on the last ones, but the art. So multiple people wrote these. We should probably back up just a little bit that uh, multiple writers wrote this. Brian Michael Bendis, Matt Fraction, Jason Aaron, Ed Brubaker, and Jonathan Hickman. So like every time you open up the comic, it says that the story is by all of them, and then each issue is scripted by a different writer. But then it's drawn by th- each, each story arc is drawn by a different artist. So the first story is drawn by... Uh, John Romita Jr., who I love. I actually got to meet him in person at uh, the the Comic-Con in Denver a couple of years ago. I got him to sign some variant covers that I immediately had CGC framed, and uh, that was awesome. He's a, he's a super nice guy, very, very nice. And uh, so he does the first four, and then Oliver Copiel does the second four, or Coipel. I always say Copiel, but it's I'm looking here. It's C-O-I-P-E-L, so I guess it's Coipel. But Oliver Coipel and Adam Kubert does the last four. And he, you may know, he's been, he just started back up on Wolverine. He's been on a bunch of stuff. He was actually at that same uh, at that same Comic Con, and I got him to sign a couple things as well that I got CGC'd. He's also super nice. But um, so this this is the first my favorite issue because of all three of those guys, my favorite is is Oliver. Or and I don't think it's Oliver either. It's O L I V I E R. So it's probably Olivier. Um, but Olivier, he and I'm I'm gonna end up just calling him Oliver anyway. But so I apologize. I know you listen to this, and I, I should probably get your name right. But he's my favorite of the three. So when that when he showed up on the art, and then Hickman's writing it. Come on, it's Hickman. Uh, it's so good. And so in that seri- that issue, issue number six, is when we go, oh, uh, you know, maybe this wasn't such a bad thing. So the Phoenix Five are remaking the world. They're they're creating clean energy. They're creating free electricity, all this stuff. They're basically using the Phoenix Force for good, which is awesome, and that's what we want. And the Avengers now are starting to look like the bad guys because they're like, there's got to be something more to this. There's got, they're like, something's coming. You know, we can't trust them. And, and they're trying to tell them, like, maybe you can. Like, maybe this is what was meant to happen. And... Of course, literally the next issue, no, you start seeing the cracks form, and you even get it when, uh, during the issue six Infinite comic, which uh, details Cyclops' kind of struggle with trying to figure out what he needs to do next, and he actually recreates Jean Grey in his mind on the moon, has a talk with her, and is, is trying to, he kind of figures out a little bit of what it is that he needs to do, and so... They feel like they need to eliminate the Avengers now because the Avengers don't even get it. Like, we, you know, we're doing all of this for you. And uh, so the whole second arc is called No More Avengers. And they say that at the end of one of the issues, they're like, No More Avengers. While this is going on, um, Hawkeye gets burned almost alive, but the Phoenix Force, they heal them. 
Uh, this is also when Namor has his huge flooding of uh, of Wakanda, which is a huge piece of Jonathan Hickman's uh, writing in terms of the Avengers series that he wrote, the new Avengers series, uh, Infinity, all of that stems from this, from that hostility between Namor, that Namor and Black Panther have together. And uh, so that was huge, and that was crazy when he floods. He, like, basically floods the entirety of Wakanda, and it's nuts. But at the same time, this is where things kind of go off the rails, because then Iron Fist is like, oh, and Lee Kung, who is from Iron Fist's world on uh, Kunlun, he's like, we need to take hope there, because she can learn a thing or two, basically. And so a group of Avengers goes to Kunlun and starts training hope, to harness to try and fit like figure out what we can do and it's like like, okay and so spider-man goes and trains her there which is kind of cool i liked that part but by now we start getting mental pictures from professor xavier saying hey uh, scott like you need to stop this or i'm gonna stop you and i'm like oh okay okay on both ends like scott you better stop this because that's professor xavier talking but i'm also thinking Professor Xavier, do you realize that he's the Phoenix? Like, he may be more powerful than you. And so then what we find out as the story progresses into its final act is that when they do have enough power and it's found that the only ways to really defeat them is through Wanda, uh, through Scarlet Witch, due to her probability manipulating powers, she can actually hurt them along with Hope. Whenever one of them is defeated, that piece of the phoenix is then split and separated into the rest of the people. So first up, I think, is Namor. He loses his power after being defeated, and his power goes into the rest of the four. And so they get even more powerful. And then there's a huge battle with Spider-Man in a volcano that uh, Colossus and Magic both lose their powers. And so then all that's left is Cyclops and Emma. And by then... Cyclops is sort of realizing now, like, maybe we made the wrong choice, but then he, you know, it's, the Phoenix is really messing with his head, and Emma is kind of succumbed to the Phoenix at this point, saying, like, you know, you know, we need to remake the world, we need to do X, Y, and Z, and so at this point, though, they, uh, they team up, um, Hope and Scarlet Witch team up to fight, and, and Hope uses the power of Shao Lao the Undying, the dragon, to banish, along with Wanda's power, to banish Cyclops back to the moon. And I was like, okay, I guess, you know, you're delaying the inevitable. But by then, he has, he attacks Emma and takes her power. And at that same time, Professor X finally comes in. So this is like the 10th issue. And he's like, we're done. And so by now, there are even X-Men joining the Avengers side. Like, this has gone too far. Cyclops and Emma have taken this way too far. And so uh, Professor Xavier is having a big mental battle with Cyclops. And so Cyclops attacks Emma to take her share of the Phoenix Force. And then, spoilers again, you know, you had your opportunity way in the beginning, but he kills Professor Xavier. And to me, that that is the most powerful moment in this series. So again, I stand by my favorite issue is issue six, but um, that what the panels of when he kills Professor Xavier is so sad, so powerful. And it's kind of, I mean, he's it's real life, but it's kind of like Luke Skywalker in Last Jedi where he's like, you know, like if you strike me down in anger, I'm gonna be there for the rest of your life sort of thing. He doesn't say that, but it's kind of implied. And so that happens, and and uh, at that point, Cyclops becomes the Dark Phoenix. 
And so it's at that point, because by then, Hope has now been starting to fight Scarlet Witch of like, I'm sick of this. You've ruined my life. Like, we can't beat him. And Captain America's like, you guys need to work together. Like, oh, no, doy. Oh, I didn't see that coming. So they decide to work together. And uh, what happens is they take down Cyclops and the Phoenix Force goes into Hope. So she finally gets the Phoenix Force. And so what she does is she wishes the Phoenix Force away but at the same time uses the power of the phoenix to fix everything aka put it right back to where it was before the first issue but also restore the mutant population which was is huge so this was a big deal at this time cuz by now now it's like okay there are there are mutants now there's no more of this like we're only at 200 mutants sort of thing there was finally that freedom to tell more stories with mutants and of course the all new marvel now stuff didn't even think about taking advantage of that. And so uh, the ending of this, essentially Cyclops gets put under arrest and that leads into a also surprisingly good storyline called AVX Consequences, which is a six-issue series that you're welcome to read as bonus material. Uh, I thought it was really good. It basically deals with Cyclops in jail and kind of having talks with himself and and with his ghosts to... uh, figure out, you know, what to do next. But that is why that whole thing, if that sounded convoluted and weird, that's because it is. And that's a lot of why people didn't like this series is because it was very strange that it was kind of that do sex machina thing of like, oh, okay, Hope's here. She, you know, if she'd have just absorbed the Phoenix in the beginning, like she would have, she would have done, it would have been fine. Everything would have been fixed. It would have literally been one issue or maybe three of her absorbing the phoenix bringing back the mutant population and then wishing the phoenix away right like because that was her plan and they say that in the comic that like the reason she is able to do that and this is the classic trope is because she doesn't want the phoenix those five x-men wanted it like they wanted the phoenix so they took it and it corrupted them versus her wanting it to get rid of it kind of i'm trying to think there's so many movies where it's like that of like you you know you you deserved this power because you didn't want this power that's why you deserve it and uh and so that's why and so it's like okay well it ended and then we're done so at that point the the fallout of this again cyclops gets put under arrest at the same time uh captain america decides to create the uncanny avengers which is a group of both avengers and x-men to try and fix that uh the broken pieces between the two of them which is cool that was actually a cool series especially the first six issues so if you haven't read that i would recommend that too for reading because there's a great that's like if you're wondering some cool stuff about the red skull and about professor xavier definitely check it out because i was not expecting what happened there and of course all of that doesn't matter now with jonathan hickman's story but if you're just looking for a good story that's that's a good story and so i know i kind of completely skipped over avx verses but that's because it's okay to do so so this series is actually really fun to read but it has it it has it's not that it doesn't have anything to do with the uh the main series it's just that each issue is two fights and it's essentially, and I saw it on here on Wikipedia, it's like, you know, someone had commented that it's like a wrestling match or wrestling matches. And that really is what it is. Each issue dives a little deeper into fights that take place during the actual story. So like we see these characters fight for, you know, what, two or three panels, maybe a whole page. 
and then another fight, like a fight and a fight and a fight and a fight. And so these books dive into some of those fights to see them a little more close up, which is pretty cool. So if you like fights and want to see who wins, they're definitive. There's only, I think, one that ends in a draw, which is like, come on, man. Like you you get to write this and draw it. Like you can, you, why would it be a draw? But um, I, so I won't spoil who wins on any of them or who loses. But the first issue, and I'll, I'm going to pull these up real quick for you. So the first issue was um, was Magneto versus Iron Man, which was awesome. That was a really great a great one. And then the Thing versus Namor, which was also pretty cool. And then number two is Spider-Man and Colossus as Juggernaut. So at some point, this was during the story, during AVX, when... Uh, Colossus gets the the Ciderac and becomes the Juggernaut as well. So that was a good fight, and then awesome fight, Captain America versus Gambit. That was a cool one. And on on that, honestly, you know who's going to win that one, but it was still a cool fight. The third issue is Black Widow versus Magic, and then the Thing versus Colossus as Juggernaut. That was a cool fight, and then uh, Daredevil versus Psylocke and Thor versus I think that's Emma. Frost, it may be either Rachel Gray or Hope Summers. Thor versus Emma Frost. Okay, cool. I'm I'm checking in the book. And then issue number five is Black Panther versus Storm, which was actually a really good fight because that is the fight where so if you're wondering why they're not married anymore, this is the fight. This is where it's explained. And that's it's really sad. I think that one actually says that neither of them win. It's not a draw. It was like nobody wins in this one because they both broke each other's hearts, essentially. And then uh Hawkeye versus Archangel. And that was a cool fight too. And then the final the final issue is the Scarlet Witch versus Hope fight, which you kind of see in the story. Like I was saying, they fight each other and you don't see it for very long, but this was a good fight. And then the last one is like just a smattering of fights. So there's like seven different fights they show that are all one panel each. And so there are one page each, which was pretty cool. So it, it makes for a fun read altogether, but does not put does not bear any effect on the main series. So you certainly don't have to read that. But overall, like I said, it's good. It's good fun, and I think this was something that people forget that it, it was enjoyable for those of us who were wanting to see the X Men fight the Avengers. And in that sense, it was a win. But in the sense of good storytelling, this could have easily been a six-issue series that would have been way more powerful and meaningful uh, instead of, you know, there were certain issues where I was like, well, okay, nothing happened in this issue, especially kind of between issues like um, maybe like issue five and issues like seven and eight. Like there's some spots in there where you're kind of waiting for something to happen and nothing really does. And it's just a couple of fights, which again, they're the fights. So if you like the fights, you're good. But if you're looking for a story, you may want to just keep reading and, and stick with it. But it really did. It really did push this in a direction where there's a lot of not coming back from this. And again, a lot of this has been reset, so everything with the X-Men is no longer applicable. They're they're in a completely different status quo now. Same with the Avengers. I mean, we're getting Miss Marvel instead of Captain Marvel. She's in her old costume. You've got Red Hulk. Red Hulk is in there, and he's no longer around. And... Uh, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, but like it just, it, but it was good. So for the time period and for it being a story, I enjoyed it. I think it was a fun read and hopefully you guys did too. 
Uh, I didn't, there's not a lot to learn about it, but like I said, and I, I guess I keep saying it, it's just those fights, they're really good fights. So they definitely delivered on the what would happen if the X-Men fought the Avengers. And in that sense, AVX was a success in my eyes. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's that story. Thank you all for powering through it. I know 12 issues plus some extra stuff or 13 issues is a lot. And uh, because of that, next month's is going to be a little lighter in but the story will not be the story is going to be not necessarily heavy but this is one of my most favorite stories and we're going to see if it still holds up so when i a lot of these a lot of these stories that i'm picking for the comic book club are uh books that i read when i was either younger or uh, well in all cases it's when i was younger but you know how much younger is kind of it depends on the book but um like avx from 2012 that's almost 10 years ago and so it held up i think i still like i would read it again i really enjoy reading that one it brings back some good memories but this this next story that we're going to talk about and and have for march is truly one of my favorites or, or was one of my favorites i read it multiple times i had the comics and then i bought the hardcover and then uh, I think I have them all as digital copies as well that I somehow they ended up being free one way or another. And so I, I you know downloaded them. There was actually, and for those of you, I guess this is more of a this is probably more of a brag than a than an anything, but there was a time when Marvel had a sale, a digital comic sale for free comics. It was like, I don't even know what it was. It was like on free comic book day, like probably more than five years ago. It was right when things were really going off with, with digital comics. And th there were literally hundreds of free digital comics. And so I, I, I got almost every single one of them because all you had to do was go on Marvel. You, and you had your account and you go to the free comic section and they're all listed as free. First issues of almost every series Plus, you know, a lot of one shots and some of them were actual full series. And it was like, why are they giving these all away for free? So I was taking all of them. And one of them was this series. So uh, without further ado, next month for March, the comic book club is going to be Thor Ages of Thunder. This is a story by Matt Fraction with uh, and uh, let's see who it's a it's a ton of different artists so we'll we'll dive into the artists uh when we excuse me get closer but it is four issues and they are all extra sized issues so they're essentially four one shots um so they're all whatever 48 pages or whatever the case may be it's not that big i'm looking at it and it's a very small so it's not it's not anywhere near 13 issues but when you're looking at it up looking it up on marvel unlimited the tales are as such so they're all going to be called they all start with thor so you at least go to the t's and you'll find it but thor ages of thunder is thor reign of blood that's r-e-i-g-n thor reign of blood and then thor ages of thunder thor man of war and thor god size special so like i said this was mind-blowing to me when I first read it and even when I read it a second time and I have not read it since so we will see if it holds up but this was when I fell in love with Marco Djurjevic on art and I don't remember if he does any of the interiors but he did the exterior the covers 
and they're beautiful. They're absolutely gorgeous. And so this is just a really good story um, about uh, just some tales about Thor. And it's all kind of one. It says, Ages of Thunder is a story of a god's ultimate destiny towards humility through humanity. And is just an amazing story. You guys know Matt Fraction from Hawkeye. He did Invincible Iron Man, Sex Criminals. And uh, he's done some other things as well. A lot of other things. But this one I'm really excited to do. Because, again, not a lot of homework for you guys. But it is the homework is of the highest quality, as I remember it. So, that is for March. And with that, we will wrap up this comic book club. So, again, thank you all for joining me. Thank you for listening. For Comics and Cinema, I'm Alex Klein.